The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. That was Bank of Japan Governor Kazuo Ueda warning back in May that the central bank may look to tighten monetary policy. This week, Ueda made good on the promise. But with a flatlining economy and very little inflation, caution makes sense. But what are the implications of the BOJ tightening, just as other top central banks stall or ease rate hikes? Stay tuned for this week's Newsroom. Welcome back to The Newsroom, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. Japan continues to be an outlier in its approach to ratcheting up interest rates. This week, it tweaked its policy to allow higher long-term interest rates. Its economy is flatlining, which explains the approach. But why is this top central bank taking such a different tack? Here to talk to me about central banks more generally is Peter Tal Larsen, Global Head of Breaking Views, and Francesco Guerrera, our Global Economics Editor. Welcome, Peter and Francesco. Hi, Amy. Hi, Amy. So, Peter, uh, you're beaming in from Hong Kong. Um, Peter, could you talk us through what the Bank of Japan did this week? Because it is actually quite nuanced, isn't it? I mean, um, it's one of those things where uh, actually when you start describing what they did, uh, um, it's quite surprising that people got as excited as they did about it. I'll try and I'll try and do it very simply. Basically, the Japanese the Japanese central bank has for, for years now has had a a policy uh, where it um, sets a target not it, it, it sets not just short term interest rates but also has a target for long-term interest rates, for the, for the specifically the yield on 10-year Japanese government bonds. And so the short-term interest rate is actually negative, slightly negative, and the target for the yield on 10-year Japanese government bonds is 0%. Um, so what, and that's been the case for some time, and that has not changed. Um, what, has, what has happened over the last sort of, um, few months or so is that they have gradually changed their sort of tolerance, the BOJ has changed its tolerance for the, the range in which it will allow the 10-year bond yield to fluctuate. Mm-hmm. And so originally that was the idea was that it could fluctuate by half a percent above or below um, 0%. I mean, it was always going to be above. Um, and then they sort of removed that, that restriction, but still said the absolute limit is 1%. And so what they did on Tuesday was they said um, uh, the, the, the what the 1% um, is now sort of a goal, but not a hard, no longer a kind of a hard cap. So and so basically the idea is that the, the, the Bank of Japan will still buy bonds to, uh, to, to keep the, the yield on the 10 year 10 year bond under control. But there's a little bit more, more ambiguity about what it will be willing to permit in terms of those 10-year bond yields. So, again, so what, you know, what you're talking about really is like 
previously the limit was 1% of a 10 year bond yield. And now it's maybe the, the, the sort of the goal is somewhere around 1%, but nobody quite knows where. So what is the excitement about then? Is that that this is sort of like a turning point for Japan? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think I think what what the Japanese are, are, are trying to do very gradually and in a very sort of, sort of inching along kind of way is to is to is to is to get out of this yield curve control policy, because um, you know I mean that it's it's gone much further than other central banks in terms of trying to actually limit long-term interest rates. Most central banks control short-term interest rates. The Bank of Japan explicitly set a target for long-term interest rates. And that's something that at some point you need to get out of. And obviously what has happened in the meantime in the rest of the world is that long-term interest rates have gone up a lot, right? I was, well, this is... Treasury yields in the US are 5%. So the, so the rest of the world has changed and Japan has been still stuck with this policy. And this is, Francesco, I think something really interesting about Japan, because as Peter said, interest rates have gone up in Europe, the UK, America, and this is to fight inflation, which is the, the scourge of these, these economies. But Japan is not facing inflation. Why is that? It's the opposite. So Japan is the outlier in the among major central banks and among major economies. Japan is, the economy is not growing. And he hasn't experienced any of the inflationary pressures that we've seen, massive inflationary pressure that we've seen in the US and Europe and in the Western world in general. And that's why the Bank of Japan is stuck to this ultra loose monetary policy with interest rates negative, as Peter was saying, and also this yield control curve. So the long term interest rates are also very low in an attempt to stimulate the economy. The fact that they're moving away from it, although very gradually, is a sign that they think that inflation is coming back, or at least the economy can grow, and they can ease ease themselves out of this uh, policy that they've had for so long. But it's completely at odds with what the other central banks are doing in the Western world. And so is there a, a kind of thinking that, as, as Peter's talking about, is that, you know, it's very slowly edging its way out of this, this kind of obviously kind of loose monetary policy, that it starts tightening just as we're seeing and kind of hearing from the other central banks in the world that they think that they may have actually got to the peak of, of the interest rates. Well, the situation at the moment, just in very broad terms, is that the central banks of the US, Europe and the, the Bank of England in the United Kingdom are pretty much at the top of their interest rate cycle, right? There might be one or more rate hikes, but essentially now they're all talking about, or at least thinking about it, even though they're not talking about it, uh, when the cuts will be, when will they start easing policy after ramping up interest rates massively over the past two years. The Bank of Japan is the opposite, right? They are talking about very slowly increasing uh, interest rates at some point. We don't know exactly when at some point. So there could be a situation in years time when you start to see, starting to see the first cuts in the West, the US Federal Reserve is likely to go first, then the European Central Bank, then the Bank of England. And at the same time, the Bank of Japan is increasing interest rates, although gradually. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's definitely the interesting backdrop. I mean, I think I think one of the difficulties for the Bank of Japan and possibly one of the um, possibly one of the reasons that they, they did what they did this week is because is because there's been such a big divergence between between Japan and the rest of the world. I mean, um, uh, I was looking at this, this is the, the yields on 10 year Japanese government bonds have increased by 50 basis points this year. So they've gone from 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 50 basis points to now close to 1%. Um, yields on 10-year US government bonds have increased by 50 basis points in a little over a month, right? So 
So even though Japan is sort of inching along, ooching out of this 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 policy, uh, the rest of the world is going much faster, and so the differential keeps growing, and that's that that causes problems for Japan because, for example, the yen keeps is is under pressure. It's gone through 150 against the dollar um, this week. So so Japan is sort of is can't completely ignore what's going on in the rest of the world, but at the same time is worried that if it goes too quickly at home. It will put pressure on consumers and businesses, and also it has to worry about its financial system. You know, you've got banks and insurance companies and pension funds in in Japan that haven't had a sustained period of positive interest rates since the 1990s, right? So if you look at what happened in the U.S. when the Fed raised interest rates and some banks fell over, you can imagine what the risks might be in Japan if if it went quickly. So actually, I think there's a I think there's a possibility that if Francesco is right about about the sort of some of the other central banks may be easing rates um, a bit in next year. That might actually help the Japanese a bit because it will it will ease some of the pressure in terms of the differential and will give them a bit more time to work their way very, very slowly up to something that looks a bit more like a normal monetary policy. And the backdrop here is very interesting because uh, Japanese investors as a whole are the biggest holders of foreign assets in the world. So they own about $5.0 trillion of foreign assets. And the reason why they do that is because, as Peter was saying, the interest rates and the returns on these foreign assets are way better than what they can get domestically, naturally. So as long as this differential, as Peter was uh, suggesting, is keeps increasing, those assets will stay parked abroad. The question is, if and when the differential starts closing, how do the Japanese uh, pension funds and insurance companies repatriate some of those funds? And what are the implications then for the foreign assets that at the moment are supported by this huge amount of buying by Japanese investors? And that, and I'm that's, just... that's a crucial point. I think that's really, I mean, that's that's the reason Japan is so important. There's obviously there's a sort of a domestic aspect to this, which is can Japan finally get out of this 20 plus years of, de, you know, potential deflation, risk of deflation? Um, can it can it get its economy back to looking something a bit more normal? But but the the knock on consequences of what it's doing for for financial markets in the rest of the world is is very interesting. And is there a possibility that they're being overly cautious? Because if you think about how fast the other central banks have moved and that what people did think was going to happen, it was that a recession, a deep recession would be caused by interest rates being where they are today. And we haven't yet seen that there's talk of recession in many economies, but we're not really seeing the sort of evidence of that. Could they go faster? I think because of what we were saying before, they have to be cautious. They're, they're dealing with completely different macroeconomic fundamentals than the other banks. And uh, if you imagine an economy like the US, a dynamic economy like the US with different demographics, a lot of immigration, you can see that economy growing very fast. In fact, you could argue that the Federal Reserve missed the fact that inflation was going too fast. So they acted a bit too slow. In fact, they could have they could have acted earlier. The Bank of Japan is dealing with the opposite. The economy barely has a pulse. So they need to be, really be careful about that. And they had the risk to the financial sector that we we're talking about before also weigh on their on the pace of their moves. So I think they're taking the right approach. It's just because the economy is so different from the rest of the other economies. Yeah, I mean, look, also the inflation problem is completely different, right? I mean, I mean, there was there was a big fuss on Tuesday because the uh, the Bank of Japan raised its forecast for inflation next year, 2024, to 2.8 percent. Right, so it's, that's and that's like that's a lot of inflation for Japan, which has been sort of struggling with or flirting with deflation for a long time. But even then, the forecast for 2025 is that well, this will come back down to one sort of 1.7%. So, 
so the sort of that that kind of deflationary mindset is still kind of pretty baked in and so um they will be very careful to not do anything too too rap too rapid to um that, that, that might kind of tip them back down again and uh and i think they're um, um i think they're completely right about that very interesting well peter francesco thank you so much for that thank you amy thanks amy Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on breakingviews.com and on X, where our handle is at breakingviews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of U.S. politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.